Hey everybody and welcome to episode 90 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, one of my favorite guests, they make their triumphant, epic return to Metallicast. They are a music journalist, extraordinaire as I always say. They're also the biggest St. Anger fan, I think in the world. And how ironic because St. Anger just turned 19 years old, which made me feel so freaking old. Please welcome back to Metallicast, the one, the only, Richard S. He. Hey, um, it is fitting because you're one of my favorite hosts, sir. Oh, shucks. What can I say? Oh, shucks. <laughs> I'm blushing right now. Mm. And now we have St. Anger, which, you know, is legally old enough to drink here in Australia, but not where you are, no. sadly. Uh, old enough to go fight in a war um, and yes. vote, but not consume alcohol or legal marijuana. I feel like, yeah, old enough to be the protagonist of Disposable Heroes or One, <laughs> yes. but not old enough to partake in kill them all yeah no not not yet not yet st anger has a couple more years to go before we can open up a bottle of blackened and cheers them and buy them their first drink because before your lifestyle can determine your drink style exactly because no 19 year old in america drinks or smokes pot or anything you know every 19 year old in america is very straight edge Absolute teetotaler. Yes, I, I definitely, mom and dad, if you're listening, which they never do, but I definitely mm. never, ever, ever, um, have had a sip of alcohol even to this day. So, absolutely not. Yes, definitely <laughs> not. Especially at a Metallica show, it just has never ever happened. Mm, well, they're not called alcoholica for a reason. <laughs> I have. I think I've said this before. I must have said it at some point. But in college, I had a Metallica tribute band, and we called ourselves Alcoholica. Yeah. Which Hell was, yeah. like, the highlight of my uh, performance career. And I said that in quotes for all you <laughs> listeners. Um, because it was just uh, us being, like, drunk assholes playing Metallica, basically, in college. <laughs> it was great. So just... Being Metallica. (laughs) Yeah, basically. We were like, we were basically 80s Metallica, or at least doing our best, uh, our best version that we could. Hell yeah. Um, I don't know if it's too early for a segue into our topic, but you know what else is a result of a Metallica member's sobriety? Please tell us. The, uh, the mini album slash EP portals by kirk hammett the first ever full-length solo release by a metallica member i know so this is you know very exciting for us metallica fans because if we go back to the saint anger era we know the infamous jason newstead story of wanting to do echo brain and basically being shot down no side projects you know, it was it was one thing to do like a cameo on an album, you know, maybe play on a track that on your friend's album or something. But to do a separate project, no way, because uh, as Lars Ulrich said, 
in some kind of monster. Metallica is dead, and Jason is the future. Ooh, what a time! What a band dynamic! I know what a. Uh, we we, by the way, we still need to uh, find time to do like a a three hour dissection of the some kind of monster movie. Oh my god. <laughs> maybe just like a live commentary track or something yeah honestly i i want to do like a try to do like a watch along so yeah we should figure out the what we need to do on our end to do like uh basically um uh you know uh, what was what's the show i'm thinking of mystery science theater 3000 oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically yeah. do that over it like we'll do our own dvd commentary track yeah, I think it'd probably have to be like a separate audio track because if you broadcast that stuff, if you broadcast the movie right. in any form, yeah, uh, the the DMCA police are gonna come totally. for you. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and we do not want the DMCA police after us. All right, no, we, I mean, we look what they look what they did to Metallica on Twitch. You know, I know, I know. And uh, speaking of Kirk Hammett, he was just a. Uh, Today I was reading a quote from him because uh, he was questioned, I think, by Classic Rock Magazine about Napster again. And he was mm. like, yeah, we were right about all the streaming services. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the, the problem wasn't Nap. I mean, the problem was more like how the major labels like distributed music, arguably more so than Napster itself. But totally. blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I think he meant more yeah, as like right. that is, you know, was the kind of the catalyst yeah. for the Apple Musics and the Spotify's. And I Definitely. mean, the, the problems with those are far reaching and deeper than any one thing. Absolutely. But that is a topic for another time, because as mm. my friend here said, Kirk Hammett portals the first time a member of Metallica has released a solo album, less if you include um, all the Megadeth albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading Dave Mustaine's um, uh, memoir now, like the first one. Okay. And like, he has a very specific point of view on many, sure. many, many things. Yeah. Um, it, he He's sort of like motivated by spite from the beginning. I think because he was somewhat raised like Jehovah's Witness and hated it. Hmm. But um, it's quite fascinating because he's not, he's like not very sympathetic in my mind, but he is Dave. So I, yeah. I read the entire book in either his voice or you doing his voice. <laughs> is, is it? So his first memoir has been out for a long time now. And I've, I think 12 years. And yeah. I've never picked it up. I've, I've heard, I know people who have read it. Would you recommend it? Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm only about 10% in, but it took me, like, one hour to read. I mean, less, probably less than one hour, like half an hour to read that much. Yeah. So it's a breezy read, and yeah. it's interesting. Maybe I'll check it out. I, I did read the Rust in Peace book that came out a few mm. years ago, and that was actually really good because it's written as, even though it's credited to Dave Mustaine, it's really written as a oral history. So you, yeah. it's all the people who were in their circle at that time um looking back at that time and i thought it was pretty um honest and uh you know mm. they talk about like 
is a quote from Ellison and a quote from uh, Marty Friedman talking about, you know, Mustaine's opinion on Metallica and their view on the whole thing. And it, it does, even though it's about Rust and Peace, it kind of touches upon some of that. And I thought it was a very, um, like, of course, Mustaine has the last word. And, yep. and, you know, he kind of answers and tries to shut it down. But I, I did respect <laughs> the fact that he included it kind of like warts and all um, the even, the quotes about him that were perhaps not did not paint him in the most flattering light, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's it's honest more than anything. Yeah. 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 So I did enjoy that one. So after I I, I read that, I was like, I got to go back and check out his first memoir. I just I guess I always just thought or feared that it would while it would be an entertaining read there would not be like mm. much meat on the bone you know uh yeah i flicked through a few books that are like that recently like the um the tony iomi one sounds like it was dictated in like an hour <laughs> yeah. and just whoever whoever transcribed it and was interviewing him didn't ask like any follow-up questions right um it's just like oh we had a night we had a nice time recording heaven and hell you know we <laughs> You know, Ronnie wrote the lyrics, and we just—I played the riff. It's like, <laughs> all right, and okay, the next you, album you was. Said, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it is. Wow. Oh dear. Anyway, back to portals. So yes, back to guitar. When this album was announced, do you remember what your reaction was? That because it, it is like you said. The first time we're getting, um, you know, a solo album from a member of Metallica, so it it, it does hold a unique spot in uh, the history of the band. Yeah, I was both surprised and not surprised. Surprised because, again, um, we never really expected a solo project from any of them, but yeah. not surprised because you and I had talked about that song that he did for um, his like horror exhibition. Yeah. And I don't think that song is on the CP, is it? It might. It, it might be the first one that's on uh, oh, yeah. Monster and Man. I'm not positive, but I thought yeah. that might have been the track that was used. I'm checking it out. Um, maybe. Um, so that song is called Symphony of Horror, which could be a different. Um, could be different. Could be a different name we did listen to part of it on the live stream that we did back yeah a couple years back for halloween but it's that was so long ago now that excuse me so i could i i i could be wrong i probably am wrong Mm -hmm. let me know how wrong i am at metallica spot on facebook twitter and instagram some will be someone will be even nerdy and thus know the answer i was there and i co-wrote the song with kirk (laughs) and i i played the trombone on that one symphonic section and i can say they are different songs and wow. i will say <laughs> you played trombone on a kirk hammett song would you like to come on the podcast <laughs> yeah i mean if they co-wrote it with kirk they're either edwin outwood or <laughs> lanny hammett his wife so yeah well i one of the things i uh not to get too far ahead but one of the things i enjoyed about this album was the uh, you know, the symphonic element in the input uh, by Edwin Outwater, past guest on Metallicast, mm. cheap plug, look up the episode. But um, yeah, I, I, I had the same reaction as you where I was surprised, but not surprised. I, I 
it shows, I think, how far the band has come. Um, mm. And I read an interview around the release of the EP where Kirk was saying, you know, he presented basically the idea of this album and uh, to the band and management and was surprised that they were like, yeah, go ahead, do it. Because mm. that had never happened before. So I think it, I think it showed on him there was a hesitation here. Or like, you know, I'm putting this work into it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to see the light of day. But I mean, at this mm. point, I, I I think, you know, when, when Jason Newsted was doing the Echo Brain project, would it have taken away from Metallica? No. Um, it didn't have a high enough commercial profile for one. Exactly. It, it did not have a high enough commercial profile. But I think that just shows the cracks that were in the band already. And, totally. And, and how fragile they were. But, you know, now you add, what, like another 20 years onto their history. There, There is no worry in their minds that they are, you know, going away, at least. And, you know, they're just so established. I think it, it, it takes nothing away. And I think they have the confidence to know that. And the the music itself, yes, it sounds like Kirk Hammett, but it does not sound like Metallica to me in most in most places. Agreed. And, like, it's the, the way we receive it is as part of the broader Metallica machine anyway. So it really can yeah. only make them stronger, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I like that we are getting little surprises like this, whether it's the, you know the acoustic shows or uh, the streams or whatever. You know, there's always something to be compelled by. I think. Yeah, I mean, and they take so damn long between the studio albums. And, yeah. and when you think back to, you know, when they released Hardwired Self Destruct, what was that? Was that eight years between albums? Um, five years. Yes. Eight. Yeah, 2008 to 16. Yeah. yeah, so eight years between albums. And they're like, we promise... It's been another eight. Right, and they said at the time, we promise it will not take another eight years. But here we are, eight years later. But you know what? It, it really does not... F- it feels like a long time ago that it came out, but it does not feel like mm. eight years ago. Because like Definitely you said, not. they filled the eight years with so many other projects, whether it be um, you know, the acoustic shows or... Uh, S&M 2 or a movie or a tour or the 40th anniversary shows or they have all these things going on at all times that it's sort of mm. there's I've even when they're in a down period of not always doing stuff I feel like every few months we still get something from the band and now they have yeah. you know like the black box and just all these things online that are just so interactive for the fan base that I feel like you know, there really is either something old or new that's always uh, becoming available now to check out. Yeah, 100%. And if there isn't, then there is a lot on YouTube for sure. So <laughs> that is true. Endless amount there. So Portals made up of four songs. Um, not surprisingly, all with a uh, basically a horror movie theme. Yeah, it's um not entirely unlike the album Horror Show from one of my problematic favorite bands, Ista, <laughs> which I'm totally not uh studying about for a, a, a larger project. Um, 
But yeah, like this album wouldn't really exist without Kirk's like obsession with horror and like film scores, right? Right. Feels like that's the backbone of this album more than anything else because it's like it's not music with a strong groove or a backbeat or anything. It's very open ended. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was uh, I was talking about this album a bit on Twitter when it first came out because mm. I was curious what everybody thought of it and. You know, what I really admire about this record is that most of the time when a metal guitarist comes out with a solo album, mm. you are going to get a wink fest. You are just going to get, <laughs> yeah. you know, the fastest, most blistering, trying to be the most technically proficient guitarist in the world, you know, and, and that's just been done to death and that is really not Kirk's style. You know, he's not the no, fastest. Mm. He's not the uh, most technically proficient. I mean, is he those things? Yes. But is he the most in those things? No. And his strengths have always been solid, strong writing. Uh, solid, st- strong writing is what I said. Solid, strong <laughs> writing. Um, solid songwriting and, uh, and melody. And I think, you know, this album is not focused on, even though it's a guitar-based album, it's not focused on guitar playing as much as it is the songs and how the guitar can serve the song. Totally. Like, it reminds me of, I guess, two artists more than anything else. One being Ennio Morricone, the late great uh, composer behind many Westerns, but also, like, the Thing soundtrack. Yeah which I'm sure is a Kirk favorite. And a huge um, influence on the band. I mean, the Ecstasy of Gold yeah. being their, their intro music forever in their lives. Absolutely. Shows. So, it, yeah, it feels like some of the grandness and the tonality of Morricone, but um, Kirk's playing reminds me of Carlos Santana more than anything else mm. in that it's just very intuitive and the phrasing is very natural. It's not rigid and on the grid like you'd expect from like a like a technical like prog guitarist or something yeah you know yeah it, it that was another thing that said i was like this album is equal parts horror movie soundtrack and like 70s progressive classic rock totally <laughs> like like old school santana or journey or along those lines yeah yeah which is awesome um I'm looking at the some of the album credits as well, and it's an absolute like murderer's row of people. So you've got um, Greg Fiddleman, Metallica producer on mm-hmm. bass. Um, you've got uh, Abe Laboreal Jr. on drums, who he is Paul McCartney's drummer. Oh wow, yeah. and an absolute god. Yeah, he's. You've amazing. also got John Theodore on drums, who is in the Mars Volta. Mm-hmm. Um, technical whiz. Um, Edwin Outwater on keys and orchestra, of course, but also Bob Rock worked on some of the mixing, yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I was reading an um, interview that, uh, you know, how he called up Bob Rock basically to, for like a little reunion. Mm-hmm. It was like he was like, "Hey, I'm working on this thing. I think it needed. It was basically like a weekend, if I recall. You know, where mm-hmm. they needed to kind of pound this out." And he was like, "I know Bob was always." is always into guitar and guitar music and uh and, and he knew he could get the big sounds that he wanted from him and 
it, the reunion happened. I thought that was extra uh, extra cool about the project, you know, because it's it, it's it's nice to like keep it in the family, you know. It's like uh, exactly. It's like hey, welcome back. Because they yeah they hadn't worked together since Saint Anger, but I assume they kept in touch and stuff. I mean, yeah. oh no, Bob Rock played at the um, anniversary shows the thirtieth. Yeah, I believe he made an appearance there. Uh, you know, they definitely have remained friendly at least over the years. Uh, mm. It's not like there was any big falling out. I think you know when they were done with Saint Anger, they were like, "This has run its course," which is, I mean yeah. is probably accurate. I mean, when you have one of the biggest albums of all time, and then you have two more uh, slightly experimental but huge commercial releases, and then you have Saint Anger, which completely demolishes and strips away everything before then it's like where do you yep. go from there you know you know you exactly need, you need at that point you need something new yeah you make you make saint anger to lulu straight away <laughs> <laughs> yeah which by the way uh the intro to track two the gin reminds mm. me of uh something that would appear on lulu the very very beginning sure you know, it has sort of like that jankiness, the dissonance. And I'm like this. I feel like this is uh, going to be a slow build to uh, Lou Reed beat poetry about, um, you know, murder and hookers and uh, and whatnot. <laughs> Dogs yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, these are all instrumentals, so there is room to do that. There is room for someone. <laughs> I it, that I mean, the internet does exist. We will hear it at some point. <laughs> Somebody oh, will I edit bet. something together. Pro- probably from me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just take like I don't know who, who's a random rapper. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, take take like the worst Kanye rap and put it over. <laughs> Ooh. Know? All right. I got a question for you. Which one of these songs? So let's. Let's take this opportunity to go through the four tracks. So it's Maiden in the Monsters track one. The Gin is track two. High Plains yep. Drifter track three. That was like the single from the album. And then the Incantation uh, is track four to round out the EP. Which of these four songs do you feel would be the best soundtrack to Ja Rule's rap? And <laughs> I did it again. Maybe the first one. Yeah. Maybe Maiden in the Monster. Oh, all right. You know what I'm going to need to do? I'm just going to have to listen to this album on repeat and sing the rap yeah. over it and uh, and, and, and see, and try to like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, Wizard of Oz it and see which one totally. matches the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did it. Yeah, we did it. Now, the what? So. Not to go completely off topic here, but that's what we do best. Um, yeah. You know, I no spoilers, but you might be coming back for a special album review in about a month. And uh, not- oh, I can't believe Metallica releasing an album so soon. <laughs> exactly. Ooh, the new Metallica record. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that's right. <laughs> and. You know, what if the, the uh, you know, let's call him for the sake of uh, throwing people off the tracks of New Metallica record. Let's call him Dave. What if Dave sure. 
um, hires Ja Rule to rap on a song on the new album. Just as like kind of like, hey, cool. whatever they can do, I can do better. Wow. <laughs> um, it's it's got a I mean the the absolute ideal of like shit metal raps on shit metal songs is, um, <laughs> the song the song it's not it's not we did it again it is one bullet left by six feet under featuring ist oh have you God. heard that song <sighs> maybe but if i did it was i don't remember i, I think Just, i have heard but it was like years ago just imagine what six feet under sounds like, right. all right? Yeah. So like brutal death, but yeah. the absolute laziest possible thing with like zero <laughs> songwriting chops. And then Ice T comes in like, so listen up, you fucking motherfucker, what the fuck? <laughs> Which is not that that is not me stereotyping. Yeah, that's an actual... that is pretty much actually what he says. <laughs> Over brutal death song. So you know more more of that. Yeah. I, I want to make a whole album of like metal bands and then like bad rapping over it. But the metal bands like have to, even if they're good, they have to like really dumb down their sounds, like just make it extra generic, extra, you know, jankity and boring. And, you know, like what, what basically, all right, I'm Swiss beats. Okay. I'm the producer of, we did it again. And I'm like, all right, Hey, you know those demos that you're never going to release? Yeah. Can I have this rapper rap over it? <laughs> well, it could possibly go wrong. Like, Dave Mustaine, you must have some unused demos from Super Collider. What oh if... Uh, <laughs> now, I'm going to have uh, Ja Rule come in and rap about fast cars over <laughs> over your riff. While you have yeah. while you have your scratch vocal of I'm gonna fight the world or whatever the lyric is. All right. And then it's like, yeah, fast cars, fast bro, I'm gonna fight That's my Ja Rule Mustang duet as one person. I hope you enjoyed it. That's beautiful. That's musical fusion. I think that needs to happen. I, I'm just trying to will things into existence at this point. But you could like you know, get a cameo from them both and then like stitch it together, you know? It's like how some some like YouTube dork got a cameo from James Labrie and like made a song out of it. That is amazing. It's very absurd. <laughs> how much do we think Ja Rule goes for in cameo? Mm, either a lot or not much. Right? I feel like he's there's no middle for him. Yeah. It's all or nothing. Has you know has Firefest like upped his value or like tanked his credibility? Who knows? All of the above, I think. You know. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking right now. I'm yeah. on Cameo. I'm I'm looking up Jarrell. Yeah. I want to know if Jarrell Rule's not on Cameo. That's really a wasted opportunity. He's yeah. Not, I agree. He should be. He's not. He's not showing up. That's like. Hmm. That's like thousands of dollars. He's pissing down the drain. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Meanwhile. Imagine like cameoing him just to ask about we did it again and then like if he remembers it. <laughs> right. Was that a high point in your career, Mr. Rule? <laughs> Meanwhile, Dave Mustaine. Oh, he's on there. Hmm. Do you want to know how much he charges? He's like like 
500 or something, right? A grand? You can personalize video for you or someone else. Two ninety nine. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Send a message. People to chip in. I'm not sure what yeah. this means. Send a message. Start a conversation with Dave Mustaine. That's thirty bucks. Is that like you send a text to him and you get a text message back for like thirty bucks? I, I think so. Like that feels like an OnlyFans thing that they've like adapted to Cameo. Yeah. And it's like the it's not really the same, you know. No, I want. I don't want a text from Mustaine. I want him to go. Brandon, welcome to Metallicast. <laughs> do you think he would do one plugging this podcast? I mean, it, it sounds like you don't right? need him. <laughs> Firstly, it sounds like you don't need him. Secondly, like if maybe if you told him that we'd converted a Metallica podcast into a Megadeth podcast, Ooh. and then that would be appealing. I mean, uh, that we're not, you know, so fast, so pod, so what? Right, I was gonna say there's finally a Megadeth yeah. podcast out there. I've not listened yet. They're they're on my Neither. list, but um, I I know that they just I follow them on Twitter. I know they just came out the first episode. And before the episode one was even out, I have no clue who these guys are. I have no clue yep. if the podcast is good. I'm assuming it's going to be awesome. And I, I reached yeah. out to these guys. I was like, let's do something. Because, I mean, come on. It's yeah. a Megadeth podcast. Finally. Totally. And a certain Metallicast listener who will go unnamed punt has not done it like I've requested from him. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we've only been joking about a Megadeth podcast for like three years. I've so. only been joking for about five years that this is a Metallica podcast, but in actuality, it's been a Megadeth podcast all along. Right now, it's not anything. Right now, it's not anything. It's more of a rap metal cast right now. Speaking of, I'm gonna. This is the last. I'm gonna go off topic before we circle back to the EP. Yeah. Um, I recently. Um, unfortunately heard a new kid rock song um now i apologize to anybody listening who likes kid rock don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you do but um i like devil without a cause i'll defend that album i'm let's talk let's stick to new kid rock (laughs) all right yeah yeah, yeah, okay all right where that's not blocked by nostalgia or um catchy songwriting um sure and have you heard the song 50 no so it is a um i stumbled upon this i was not seeking out i it it came to me it found me you know how some songs just find you this song found Mm. me it's called 50 it's about how he's turning 50 it's basically a country western song and it goes Mm turning fucking 50 and then the whole song is just basically like all like the stereotypes of turning 50 like how he's going bald and all this stuff but he uh of course he it's also just about how badass he is um i'm looking up the (laughs) lyrics right now because they so am i these are lyrics like on like the the mechanics is like um dylan or Shakespeare. Wow. Next to these lyrics. I'm I'm sorry for everybody who tuned in to hear about portals, but right now you're gonna hear about Kid Rock fifty. So Portal into Kid Rock. I'm gonna yeah. read this as poetry. Well, I guess I'm fucking fifty. Some say I'm old as fuck. Still sipping Jim Beam whiskey. Cause goddamn pandemics suck. I guess I'm fucking fifty. No need to look it up. 
Well, I might be fucking 50, but I still don't give a one fuck. Well, I guess I'm fucking 50, but I'm still standing tall. Even though I can't hear shit. <laughs> I can't see and I'm going bald. Guess I'm fucking 50, but I'm better off than you. Well, I'm fucking 50, but your mom still thinks I'm cool. Well, I guess I'm fucking 50. I'm through drinking and blacking out. No more talking shit about Oprah fighting at the Waffle House. Guess I'm fucking 50. Fuck her from 17. I'm fucking 50, but this tits still long and lean. Alright. Yeah, shit. Well, I guess I'm fucking 50. No more groupies on the bus. I don't hang much more. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I got. I mean, I can't go through all this, but it's bad. It's bad. Basically, it, it, this is how bad it is. I sent this to a friend and I said, you need to listen to this song. And he said, no. And I said, please, <laughs> it's the worst song I've ever heard. And he said, OK, so we're listening to it. And um, there's a part of the song. And it goes like this. He goes. I guess I'm fucking 50, but I still love to dance. Yeah, I might be fucking 50. And my friend jokingly goes, you just shit his pants. Like, it's a dumb lyric. It rhymes. The actual lyric is, I think I just shit my pants. <sighs> Mic drop. All right, portals. Let's cleanse ourselves. <laughs> and yet, Kirk Hammond is nearly 60 <laughs> and making good music. <laughs> Well, you should have heard his song about turning 50. I mean, it was not good. It was not good. Mm. It's called 50-Year-Old Frankenstein. Mm. And it's about... Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. It's about feeding Frankenstein at 50 years old. It's like a, it's basically like a mashup of the Alice Cooper song and 50 by Kid Rock. Mm. And if somebody out there can will that into existence, do that mashup. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Portals. The reason why people are listening. The reason why we're gathered here today. Um, you know, I really like how the it, like like we were saying that that was just a good mix of what you like the metal riff and harmonies and soloing that you would expect from him Metallica. But it it, mm. it does not sound like Metallica to me and nor do the songs feel like they need the other members of Metallica. You know, I I, Definitely. I, I was wondering if uh, before I listened to this album, all right, is I know it's instrumental. Is it going to be, though, you know, like, oh, this song would be so much better with, you know, James playing rhythm on it. Or, oh, you know, I, I hate nothing else than like an instrumental. Where you're like, this part's perfect for words. Just put words to the song, mm. you know? And, and, but the the four songs of this album, there's none of that. There's it, it it each one, the 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 guitar and the instruments carry the songs. They feel they feel full and complete, and I I do not feel like it's missing the other members because it takes it in a different direction. So while there's elements that you would hear potentially Metallica song, it's mixed with these symphonic elements flawlessly i think most of the time hmm. um it to create this like horror movie soundtrack but like we said before with this like 70s classic rock uh progressiveness that uh he, I, I feel like he just really was able to tap into like the core of his influences yeah i think that the only 
similarities to Metallica are maybe melodic, which is kind of inevitable because, sure. I mean, that's just how it is, right? Um, there's like a little bit of Cthulhu feel, I think, in yes. some bits of yes. Man and the Monster. Yeah, I, that... But even so, like, that's maybe the closest Metallica instrumental to anything here. They don't even Which is ironic just because, because he did not write yeah. Cthulhu. <laughs> True, exactly. I mean, he played the solos on it. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a demo version of Cthulhu with Dave. Is, is there? I don't think so. I, I think there is. Actually, w- would it be when, when Hell, Hell Freezes, Freezes over, over from like yeah. the live shows? Yeah. There you go. Yeah, because I'm that... sure Dave will say that Kirk copied all his solos on it, but I'm not sure if that's true. I'm sure. I, I've heard the demo, but I would have to go back and you know, yeah, compare them and take notes. Or you can just go back anyway. and listen to uh, what's that song? Um, when by Megadeth, which is basically huh. Call of Cthulhu meets Am I Evil? Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but I mean, I was like, hey, it sounds like Call of Cthulhu, but he wrote it, so rip yourself off, buddy. Go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Hangar 18 has the same progression as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was saying, yeah, but th- there are melodic similarities to Metallica, but the difference is the well, everything. The difference is everything else. Like it's the arrangements, the orchestration. Um, it's. I think a lot of it is the fact that Metallica are such tight songwriters um everything is you know has to be in its place the riffs are very like chunky and precise and here there are heavy riffs too like most of the songs have like heavy fast sections at the end but it has this kind of like rollicking feel to it that's just so different like yeah and the things it's actually pretty hard to write music that's really open-ended but also really compelling and catchy and memorable you know mm. just because when you can go anywhere with it it can easily just end up going nowhere or like just being an ambient song or something but these actually like work as compositions which is very cool yeah i i think i was actually kind of surprised by that honestly yeah um you know i was kind of going to the album thinking i i i was excited for it i was interested in it but i kind of thought I'll give it a listen. Probably not much beyond that. You know, like I just sort of had this false impression of the record. Um, and then I heard the the first song off it. Um, was it High Speed? High Plains Drifter. High, High Plains Drifter. And mm. I was like, wow. Like that, it, it really it really was felt like, like this little musical journey that you're going on with him. And um, hmm. it felt very, it, it was catchy. It was memorable. Um, it felt very complete, like I was saying before, like a very complete composition. Uh, but something um, out there for, it, it, you know, in turn, it sounded different than Metallica. And it, in fact, I think it sounds the most, I think it's the most unique track of before. I think the LA3 blend yep. in much more closely together. Yeah, I agree. It has that like symphonic flamenco feel. Yeah. Um, a bit of Morricone and like also it's like one of my favorite Kirk solos just in years in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An extra trippy music video to match too. <laughs> yes, which I haven't haven't watched actually. <laughs> Do you uh, by the way, I'm I'm mm-hmm. looking at the song titles and I was like 
Did you know what the gin is? I had no clue. I had to, I had to look it up. Um, I mean, I know what a gin is. Yeah, it's a genie, right? Or maybe like the more mythical form, the non like Robin Williams form. Yeah, so genie. it's it is a genie, but it was uh, it's a spirit inhabiting the earth, but unseen by humans, capable of assuming various forms and exercising extraordinary powers. Spooky. Yeah. So a genie, but it seems like it had a little bit more of like a maybe darker or supernatural element to it than like, like you said, Robin Williams, genie in Aladdin. <laughs> mm, it does not grant you wishes. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at the song titles, um, I think, you know, they really take on the, the characters. Um, you know, when I listen to the incantation, the last track, there's uh, a part near the beginning. I'm like, I kind of feel like this would fit in like a Harry Potter movie or should be the soundtrack mm. while I'm playing Elden Ring. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really excited to use it in like, um, not Dungeons and Dragons, but like I'm in a similar thing with friends yeah. called Dungeon World. Ooh. It'll be perfect for that. By the way, I just read about this Dungeons and Dragons campaign that's been going on for 40 years. Ooh. The the dungeon master has been running the campaign for forty years. What is it just called life? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta gotta take the kids to school. Yeah, now? you know he, I I guess he just has like people, you know, come and go. But there's been characters in it that have been in it for forty years. But it's a permadeath, so if you die, ah, uh, good, like you're done. You're done. You get got to get a new wave of players in, but yeah, forty years he's been running the same campaign. He has his whole basement in his house dedicated to it. I'm like, what? What do wow. people? How? 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 Yeah. How? <laughs> I think at some point it's like the, the way I imagine it is. You know, they they start off. They all started off as these really excitable teenagers who like want to escape from you know the boring lives in the '80s into a fantasy world, and they keep playing, keep playing. And somewhere around the 10 year mark it gets really boring and they run out of ideas. Right. But then around the 20 year mark, they realize that it's become a metaphor for, you know, the, the crushing weight of existence. And so they're just like trudging through this you know, grim fantasy land, trying not to die, even though they want to, because they want to be freed from this now 20 year old game. And then <laughs> by the time it hits 30, they're like, oh, this is the, the only thing holding us together as a friendship group. So um exactly. we we now see the beauty in it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts on portals? I mean, I I feel like I I feel like we're kind of glossing over it, but I feel like, you know, it's four songs and it you you're trying to it captures like this moment, right? And it captures yes. this 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 feeling and this general theme, you know? And I and I and I feel like um you know, I feel like we've accomplished that. <laughs> that is true. I mean, it's it's always hard talking about instrumental music because when it's good, it kind of speaks for itself. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I have a thought, which is that it'd be cool to, like, actually form a kind of band 
around this you know mm. like i know it exists as this like uh almost deconstructed studio project but like if you've ever heard um mahavishnu orchestra mm-hmm. who are like this pioneering jazz fusion rock band they actually worked from a like similar palette to this they had like violins and stuff but it was this like twisty whining and like really spiritual um technical stuff that was just really cool you know just like amazing chemistry just explored so many things in each song um and this is like not super far off that actually yeah so kirk what i'm saying is you know (laughs) have have some jams yeah record some jams i mean i would i i i when this you know when i after i listened to this album i was like it i actually want more of it i i would want to hear more or or hear even something like different from him, you know, like see here's something maybe yeah, that's like a on. little either either the same thing that's more in in this in that direction, but like built on or, you know, maybe something that's like blues or jazz or, you know, explore some yeah. of his other influences and styles that he likes to play. Hundred percent. Um there's a really good quote from the Rolling Stone article that um they interviewed him and I might as well read it out because it is very relevant. Um, but the interview asks Kurt, had you ever attempted a solo project before this? And Kirk says, no, I still have yet to sit down and write a whole song's worth of lyrics by myself. I've never tried that. I still have yet to sit down and write a fucking three chord Dylan-esque type of song because I've never gotten around to it. I still have not really explored my singing voice. I don't know what the outcome of any of that would be, but I feel like I'm getting around to doing it now. And it's weird because I think about that. And I think the fact that, fuck, I'm almost 60 years old. Am I late on this? I say to myself, it's not that I'm late on this. It just seems like the timing is right for me to be doing it. It's presenting itself to me. And so that's kind of how I sit with this. Hmm. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, this is sort of the perfect time to do a release like this because, you know, it's so accessible that you can kind of do it on a budget you know and, and in terms yes. of like the actual release and manufacturing of the album and stuff you know it's 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 you could do something you could do another song and just release it digitally and hmm. millions of people will hear it or release another ep or full length or however he decides whatever he decides to do next it's so easy to access the music if he if he decides to go that route and um you know i know this album was also released as uh vinyl for record store day which i always love when the band contributes to because you know obviously uh record stores in general a dying breed especially the independent record stores out there so it's really Mm. it's a cool thing that when bands contribute to that and and they've done it as a band before but it was cool that this was kind of like an exclusive and then you could get it you know obviously apple music spotify and other all other kind of digital platforms totally because like i was even thinking you know if that if he made something like this you know 25 30 years ago um it would either have like really um disproportionately high expectations on it right or it would get like no promo at all and just be like a curiosity you know that right. no one had access to so yeah and, and everyone put out more music you know yeah and i think you know the band's also at a stage in their career right now where this album is going to 
get a certain level of recognition just because they're kind of the elder mm-hmm. statesmen of their genre. They're still one of the biggest bands in the world. Uh, even though they've been a big band for so long, I feel like if, you know, he decided to do this record, um, you know, in the, in the nineties or in the early two thousands, it, it just would not have gone over well. It's just, you know, it was a lot more mm-hmm. the way music was digested then where it's like MTV selling CDs um, it, or just, you know, kind of when they were at the peak of their popularity in terms of commercially and stuff, it, it just would, I don't see it fitting in a way where it's not going to be forgotten or thrown by the wayside. But I think, you know, now, Mm. It, it, it like I said, you can easily release the record, and it's at a kind of like a down moment for the band. It gets all the attention it deserves by the people who want to pay attention to it. It it just seems a lot more accessible, easy to digest, mm. and more outlets are going to pay attention to it because it's the lead exactly. guitarist of Metallica rather than you know, and 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 it's going to get. I think you know forty years when when you've been in a band for forty years and it's had the ride that they've had it's going to get um and i think more respect and recognition than it would have you know even 20 years earlier yeah 100% um yeah it, it yeah it's just great how it has like more weight than the typical solo metal guitarist album you know yeah we've just heard so many of those shred albums and some of them are right yeah. but but once you know. you've heard one of them you've kind of heard yeah. them all, you know, like there's very few yeah. guitarists. I'm not saying they're not out there, but there's very few guitarists that are doing something new and unique enough where they're really going to mm. stand up from the pack of just doing a pure like guitar shred fest album, you know? Totally. And, and listen, I love that stuff. I love watching guitarists just go nuts and go flying up and down that. I mean, I'm a metalhead. I love it, but you know, I don't want to listen to it for, and nothing but that for yeah. a whole album worth. Unless if it's truly like the most astonishing guitar playing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. I call, um, because, <clears throat> you know, there's like the 80s shrapnel, like neoclassical stuff. Sure, yeah. There's like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani, who are pretty, they're both pretty distinct, you know, like sure. Satriani yeah. writes pop songs and. Yeah by as a composer but um i call a lot of the stuff the recent stuff just like youtube metal you know there's like a lot of novelty to it there's a lot of it's like super heavily compressed and Mm -hmm. precise prog with a sense of humor yeah but like they they play so many notes that it just goes whizzing by Mm -hmm. um it's all like very like 12 tone music and stuff and I'm just left being like, okay, that was a cool guitar lick. Now write a song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and, but really too, when you look at as Metallica as the band, it's always been about the songs, you know, they've never, yeah. they've never been the most, you know, technical band. I, that's part of the reason why I'm like, you know, people like to crap on Lars and his drumming. Yeah. I'm like, they're not that type yeah. of band though. You know, they're where, no. you know, they need to be the most <laughs> technically proficient. And, and, and I'm, you know, I think they have technical songs. I think they're technical players. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but they're not—they're yeah. not trying to be Rush or Dream Theater or you know these no. super like perfect progressive. You know, there's there's this mm-hmm. raw energy to them, and they're kind of you know 
uh, I, I remember s- hearing an interview with James where he was like, you know, part of the reason why I love playing this band like live is like it feels I'm paraphrased, but it feels like, you know, the wheels can come off at any moment and the whole thing can kind of fall apart. And I, I'm like, that is like the perfect description. Like they're tight as hell. Yeah. But yeah, they're like, you know, uh, like 30 BPMs away from like completely fucking it all up. Yeah. <laughs> I, the reason for that is because they're one of the very few bands where that the band doesn't play to the drummer. The drummer plays to the rhythm guitarist. Right. Yes. It's unconventional, but it works. Yeah. 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 But I think, you know, that has that mentality translated to this EP because, you know, it really yeah. is about the songs. It's not about trying to wow people with, um, mm. you know, a million notes a minute. I think really the only thing it's missing is uh, Lee Vig's vocals and uh, <laughs> replacing them for the remaster. <laughs> God damn it. Um, if you don't get that joke, listen to um, Metallicast from April 1, 2020. Yes. Um, and, and please, please, after you listen to it, don't be mad enough where you leave me a bad review, okay? Okay? No. Okay? We provide you entertainment for free. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of Kirk as a band leader, um, as opposed to in a band Metallica where he is really not that. You know, between the two big right. personas of James and Lars. But um, I was gonna say, have you heard anything, um, or any of the live recordings of the Wedding Band, which is like Kirk's cover band with Rob Trujillo and a few others? No, I mean, I'm obviously familiar with the Wedding Band, but I've not actually heard other than like a few seconds here or there i've not really heard what they do like i i've not heard a full song all the way through yeah i mean i guess they only exist as a live thing anyway but i'm just looking at the lineup i mean it seems to change i guess that makes sense for a so-called wedding band um but i think john theodore of this album played with them um the singer of ugly kid joe the singer of death angel is sung with them but um yeah i was just looking them up and there's they did a cover of heaven and hell by sabbath which is um like vocally it's not the most technically perfect version i've heard but i think it's the best cover of that song i've heard because it just has like this soul and this grit to it that the really like polished covers don't have at all yeah um and a lot of that is like kirk and rob um and their chemistry yeah um kirk plays a solo like incredibly well it's not i don't think it's note for note but yeah it's just the rare rendition that has the same level of soul but a kind of different feel to the original so that's really cool like i I wouldn't mind hearing like a proper like pro recording of them that'd be cool i mean you're you're thinking you have 50 percent of the world's greatest cover band like, yeah. like when you think of the history of Metallica, they yeah. are the world's greatest cover band in a lot of ways. So, I mean, think of like the bands that they have covered and have made famous because mm. they've like, you know, from uh, Diamond Head is obviously the obvious example of like, yeah. how many people would still be speaking of Diamond Head Metallica did not cover their songs, you know? In fact, exactly. if you hear... Um, the original lightning to the nation's album 
and then you yeah. hear the uh not too long ago within like a yeah. year or two ago they re-released lightning to the nations like for whatever anniversary it was completely re-recorded mm. new vocalists new guitar tracks new everything and a l- the songs um like it's electric for example uh it- it's metallica's cover it's how they do it <laughs> mm. <laughs> so now you have like the original band covering the cover version of their original song wow. <laughs> yeah it'd be like bob dylan playing the hendrix version of all along the watchtower right. which i think yeah. he does actually which i'm sure he probably does but yeah that's a that's like the yeah. perfect example of it you know so it's or you know if paul mccartney did like the gnr version of like live and let mm. die or something you know um but it is uh uh, but I mean, they are, it, it, you know, when you look at how many people think like Turn the Page is like a Metallica song or Whiskey in the Jar is totally. a Metallica song or, you know, or totally. and, and even like the covers that are obviously just do so well, whether like when a blind man cries and like, mm. I, I really think they are the world's best cover band. So, I mean, when you have, you know, 50 percent of that band doing this with other phenomenal musicians. I, it's not all that surprising that it's it, it's stellar. But I'm glad that they have an outlet. Yeah. Because, like, um, on the other hand, I remember, I think, they must have been in, like, Minneapolis when um, uh, Rob and Kirk, like, did their, like, solo cover of When Doves Cry. That was just, like, guitar and bass. Yeah. And it was, like, not very good. <laughs> yeah, it was not. I remember that. It went, like, I think it went, like, semi-viral for it not being good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is both like funny but also like very humanizing in a way right because to me i guess it shows that a band is like their chemistry you know yeah. it's not like they're it doesn't like expose their lack of talent or whatever yeah. it's just like not them in their company well i also just thought that whole thing was silly because you have like the whole purpose of those are for them to be like loose barely rehearsed jams yeah and that's what yeah. it sounded like with yeah. with two non-vocalists. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's like, it, I don't know what people were expecting. It's not like all of Metallica rehearsed this cover song, went out there, and then yeah. this is like you got this disaster. It was like two members of Metallica <laughs> yeah. who are not vocalists saying, let's yeah. just do bass guitar and like mediocre vocals and yeah. for something we practiced for five seconds in the back right before we went on stage it's just supposed to be a fun thing like music it should be fun sometimes it does not always need to be like yeah. you know this overly rehearsed thing if the whole show the sounded least, like that i would get people being yeah. mad but you know totally john bon jovi this is not okay vince neil no. this is not <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry, John Bon Jovi. I'm sorry, Vince Neil. But come on now, <laughs> that was sad. Those guys. That was sad. Did you hear I, the that those Bon Jovi songs? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to a bit of them rock and roll. I was like, yeah. whoa, like they weren't kidding. Yeah, no, like Ooh. I was ex I was expecting better than what I heard. <laughs> yes, because you know the internet On, can be a harsh yeah. place. So when I actually yeah. listened to it, I was like. Ooh, that's that's pretty pretty sour yeah yeah i'm like i don't know how you can even talk man <laughs> but um know. on on the other hand def leopard played uh kimmel 
the other day and they're like probably all in their 60s and they sounded amazing yeah like beautifully aged i would say so you know it can go either way speaking of amazing at an older age too merciful fate yeah. recently did a reunion show really and, uh no way and i my cousin sent now me, they're grandmas <laughs> yeah my cousin sent me a clip uh and i so i didn't hear like the full show but the clip i heard king diamond and the band as a whole they sound fantastic you know right like, and 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 King Diamond has like that type of voice, like a Bruce Dickinson or a Halford, where you're like, how have their voices yeah. not te- deteriorated yet? You know, but they just take care yeah. of it. You know, yeah. Well, they they have a bit, but like to me, older Bruce sounds like even more human than like yeah. younger well, Bruce in a way. You know, it has, but 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 not in a way where it's like no, takes no, no, away no. from yeah. the overall, you know the band yeah. you know like the the it same with james yeah, yeah. like his the voices have aged mm. but they haven't deteriorated you know what i mean yes yes exactly just not like this podcast <laughs> <laughs> we have all right we we did talk a lot about portals we did talk a lot about kirk hammett yeah and uh what we'd like to see from perhaps future solo outings but we did talk a lot about nothing <laughs> at the same time but oh, yeah. but if you listen to this podcast then you know uh, richard as our guest uh, it, it, hey. as a frequent guest and you know what these episodes are like so it's really mm. if you didn't like this episode and you've been listening all along that's on you okay i can't help you mm. you knew what you're signing up for if you're new to the podcast and you didn't yeah. like what you heard guess what you're in luck there's 20 million other metallica podcasts <laughs> Jesus Christ, people, give me a break. There really are. You know what would be cool is like to get all their portals episodes and like layer them on top of each other and just listen to them all at once. Can I tell you what the other podcasts don't have? And listen, I this I don't I'm not taking shots here. I don't I don't want anybody to feel bad. What they don't have though is me singing fifty by Kid Rock over the Inter Sandman riff. Absolutely. I don't I didn't listen to the episodes, but I'm willing to bet they don't have that. And guess what? What? If they want it, they have to hire us, okay? Metallica podcast Absolutely. out there. So pay me some money and I'll come in and I'll show you how it's done. Oh oh you're oh you got so and so as a guest? Guess what? I sing Kid Rock over into their salmon. Okay? All right. Get out of here with that nonsense. You want to listen to my guests? You want to listen to my guests? All right. Richard has heat. Oh, Dave Mustaine is a guest on like almost every episode I do. <laughs> if I had a wrestling sign right now, it would say, uh, speak and destroy fears Metallicast. <laughs> That's what it would say. Well, Richard, I think we did it. And I think we did it in record time. Yeah. We did, we did it louder. Yeah, we did it. Now, our goal right now is to not have this be one of our famous false endings where we wrap it up and then we talk for another half hour to hour about Ja Rule and Dave Mustaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if we've exhausted the well by this point. I think so. I think so. I mean... It, it is kind of a hard album to talk into great detail about 
because yeah you know there it's a short album four songs it each song sounds unique from each other but are very similar and compatible in style and you know what the i think you know what the songs are about are right there in the song titles (laughs) yeah 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 you know it, it what do you want from us people other than this great great entertainment and if you don't think this is great great entertainment like i said mail up your podcast speak and destroy and podcast for all and others and others many others but you know what there's only one metallic that's a fact and if everybody could see me right now i'm doing a fake mic drop and now richard tell everybody where they can find you um i am on twitter at rsh underscore elle same at instagram and whatever trying to what what have i been doing what have i been up to in terms of like music journalism well i know that Um, your old uh saint anger article just got a little bit more traction on on the interwebs because of the 19th anniversary of the saint anger album so if anybody listening has not checked out that article do yourself a favor and read it thoroughly it is a uh it's a masterpiece article about what richard calls a masterpiece of an album so if if that does not have your attention then i don't know what will but what else have we been up to um i mean i've written some some things about some musicians on the San Anger piece, yeah, I reread it um, the other day. I was like, yeah, this still this still bangs. Like, there's not really <laughs> much I would... There's not really much I would add to it right. apart from, like, maybe a little bit more about Lulu, but that would be, you know, its own article. So um, when are we getting the 7,500-word essay on Lulu? I don't know. I don't know. What I actually want to do, and I can't remember if I've talked about this on the pod before. I don't think I have. I would love to do a restaging of Lulu, like as a theatrical production. Yes. Um, but using the Metallica and Lou Reed songs, right? Yeah. But basically, like reimagining them. So imagine them as like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds would play them, and it wouldn't have to be like a literal play where like characters are like talking and things. But just I think a lot of the symbolism of that is like really powerful, and so. Maybe that'll be something for like, you, you know, another me, 10 years. You time. had me at Lulu and Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds. I'm sold. Exactly. I'm sold. Exactly. We we talked about that yeah. um, on our podcast anyway. Yes. On our two-parter. Well, we were one part. And then I did a second part with Stuart Herwood, which was a great talk. So a two-parter yes. on Lulu. So if you've, if you've not had your Lulu filled from this short conversation about Lulu, well... I got about <laughs> six hours of podcast for you to listen to. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna read out one of my favorite, like, um, my favorite negative comments on my Senanga piece when I recently <laughs> posted it. So, Amazing. um, this one is from Schmick, who I believe may be a Metallicast listener. Mm. Um, hello, if so, <laughs> your opinions are welcome here. Yes. You're also welcome to listen to any of our many St. Anger episodes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but this is Shmei So he replies to my tweet and he says, the extent of mental gymnastics on display in this article is impressive. Everyone has different tastes. And this is clearly central to the point. That said, I can't possibly agree that it's a masterpiece. Um, the positive reviews that I read at the time appear to be making as many excuses as possible as to why people shouldn't have any expectations of quality or compare the album to others. And there's another one that went, um, yeah, there, there is no universe that St. Anger is considered a masterpiece. The band Concrete Beach Party, a fictional band in Horizon Zero Dawn, wrote much better music than any song in St. Anger. Well, I want to say two things to that, uh, Mr. Nikos Theater. One is that if I am in my own universe, if I exist in the universe, mm -hmm. then that is a universe in which St. Anger is considered a masterpiece. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to give you a philosophical deep dive into the meaning of solipsism, but, you know, I my consciousness dictates. I like my to experience. call it the SHU, the SE universe. Oh, thank you. Very nice. Yes. I like that. <laughs> um, and when you say the band Concrete Beach Party wrote better music than any song in St. Anger, no, a fictional <laughs> band did not write that music. There were real non-fictional people who wrote that music, right? The, like the video game didn't, like right, the little right, people in yeah. your CD on your Xbox yes. didn't write that music. So I, I don't understand the analogy here. Well, it's like, you know, saying the gorillas cartoons. Yeah created the gorillas music exactly which is fact by the way they did do that well yeah there, there was a universe in which they yes, did that yes, for sure. yes oh i love the internet and i love yeah. that everybody has an opinion and uh, and honestly all opinions are valid and all opinions are welcome but i yeah. i do the i the more negative the opinion the funnier i think it is and but my favorite, but my favorite opinions are those that just um, shoot down your opinion as wrong because their opinion is different. Rather than saying like, "Oh, I get why you're saying that," but I think this way. It's always like, "No, this is the right opinion to have." <laughs> the ones that blow my mind are the ones that where the person seems to believe that like. The prevailing opinion is that San Anger is good. Yeah. You know? It's like, yeah, what what universe are you living in? They're like how how dare you insinuate like that San Anger might be good? You know, you're a part of the music <laughs> critic establishment rewriting history. And I'm like, I'm one person <laughs> with like no not that much influence, a little bit, but Well, you have rewritten history so much that when Metallica posted about the anniversary of the album, they even had to do like a tongue in cheek, like making fun of themselves, you know, like, uh, I forget what it was, how it was worried. Basically it was like, yeah. um, everybody's favorite album, St. Anger. And I was like, dare we ask what your favorite song is? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, to the which ironic you part was for some people. Of them. <laughs> Pretty much. You can take that ironically or sincerely, and I choose yeah. to take it completely sincerely because that is what Senang is. In the SHU.
Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. What have you been up to, Brandon? What What are your plans for this podcast? What are my oh, plans for this podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked because my plans for 2022 have completely gone out the window. So I think mm. the last time you were on was maybe the four-year anniversary show, the live one we did back in December. Was it yeah. that long ago? I, I think, think so. I, I'm going to be honest. I barely remember that episode, yeah. which is not a reflection on you. It's just like, I don't know where my mind was at. I know. I, I barely remember the episode myself um, because yeah. I was, you know, at that point had a four month old and was barely mm. sleeping. Um, but I do recall one thing I said in that episode, which was, um, you know, my goal in the new year is to do, I think I said, start with two episodes a month. And then work my way back up to every week. Um, and I got to be honest with everybody listening. I don't have the mental capacity to do any of that right now in my life. Um, mm. So lately it's been like one a month. And I'll be honest with you. I would love to do more. But that's like what I'm comfortable with right now. Because between totally. uh, the day job, having a two-year-old having a now eight month old or sorry, nine month old. Um, hmm. I have limited free time and in the free hmm. time I do have, um, sometimes I need to shut my brain off and do exactly. as little as possible. And I never want to get to a point where uh, this feels like work or like a second job. And I feel like where I'm at mentally right now in my life, if I did it every week, it would start feeling like a chore. So mm. I want to keep it to a minimum so I can, like, when I do it, enjoy it. I'm not saying it'll never go back to more than one episode a month. I would still like it to. I'm just not mm. ready to put, like, a schedule out there, like, of when it's going to happen. But I think eventually it will happen. But my mental state needs to say, all right, it's time. And my mental state's not there right now. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, I'm amazed that you ever pulled off weekly episodes to begin with. Um, just the level of dedication and like the detail and everything. I, I mean, I guess that. it was pandemic inspired. So that makes sense. I mean, I was also, you know, at that point I was working from home. I had only one child for, for that time period. Mm. So like I did have like, you know, more time to work with but now i'm not working from home which means i have a long commute and you know my i'm i'm up before 5 a.m and i'm home after 5 30 p.m oh wow and then yeah it's both kids so you like we we started recording this at uh, a little after eight o'clock eastern time my time yeah and uh and that was literally the first free moment i had today like to do something wow, i wanted yeah. to do so mm. um and that's why i said like on a day like today it's awesome like this is my way to like relax unwind have good conversation joke around have a laugh talk about my favorite band but i feel like if i scheduled to do this every single week and then had to edit every single week now it becomes like mm. a little too much of like a chore Exactly. But the good news is I do have some vacation coming up. I, I am actually starting. Um, hopefully nobody work with this. Listen to this because I've not given my notice, but I am starting a new job in the fall. 
which I think Ooh, is going to yeah. uh, free up my life a little bit. And uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to create some quality of life changes. So I, I'm feeling optimistic that um, I'll be able to do more of this and uh, do more of, uh, and also do like more writing and stuff, which I started getting into during the pandemic and everything. But um, absolutely. We appreciate your contributions to the Metallica podcast world very much. Thank Brennan. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I got to say, um, I'm still the best. I'm just kidding. I don't really mean that. But, um, but uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I look forward to uh, serving more of the Metallica community and family. And uh, as far as like my plans for my one a month episodes, it's funny when I was doing them once a week, I'd have like a whole month, sometimes two months mapped out down, mm. which was like a lot of work, but I had to keep on thinking like, I have to like plan, like plan ahead. Um, mm. Cause I'm like, I got to have another one ready to go. Got to have another one ready to go. And now that it's like kind of back to like on just like my schedule, I have no clue what's happening next. So yeah, it took I've, us month a month and a half to yeah. talk about this yes. EP. So and 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 I've had uh you know and I never know what's gonna fall into my lap like you know the Bill Hale interview was a lot of fun and really cool um, that I just mm. did and that kind of just came about naturally through us talking on Twitter. Um, I had a really big guest lined up um, and they canceled Ooh. the day of so. So, you know, you never know, like, what's going to... And they they had approached me and then canceled the day of. So, like, you never know what's going to, like, pop up, what opportunities are going to come, when, you're go- when they're going to cancel. So, who knows what's ahead? Who knows what's mm. ahead? But I'm, I'm hoping good things, bigger and better things, always. I just want to point out that um, our Lulu episode was released almost exactly a year ago so june 7 2021 it's currently june 9 for me at least as we're recording this yeah and um that let's just say that episode did a lot of things for me which you'll be hearing about at some point yes that is all i will say that's what we call a tease yeah but um yeah and and i'm looking forward to uh having you back on again when you're ready to uh discuss the lulu aspect of everything going on but we'll leave it there yes what Um, an album it'll just be me going uh lulu's masterpiece episode two (laughs) um so at rsh underscore l is that correct yeah on the twitter and on it is it the same on instagram yeah check out the links in the episode description and if you're not following me already uh, and you want to hear more about Kid Rocks 50, follow me on social at Metallica's Pod <laughs> on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I will, if you want to just, you know, send me money, I will uh, yeah. I will do um, the Dave Mustaine impression for you um, for a fee. I'm, I don't, I do it for free in the podcast. You want it outside of the podcast, I charge a fee. What that fee is, is um 297 dollars so i'm two dollars less than the Ooh. real dave mustaine on cameo so uh if that's worth it to you if you want to save a couple bucks um hire me i'll do my impression for you shout out to bison 
my favorite one man band who does our intro music. This is how much of um, uh, a wrestling nerd I am, even though I don't really watch cool. much wrestling right now. Um, Hello. I was recording um, the uh, ending of an episode once, and I, I think I, I caught it and I went back and fixed it, but uh, I called it my entrance music. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. 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 You got a custom entrance yeah. theme that yeah. should follow you around. It should yeah. play whenever you walk yeah. into the classroom. And, I just need know. like pyro and uh you know, everybody singing along and then I need to power bomb some kids through a desk because <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I'm a teacher. That's the day job. Yeah. Um but yeah. Uh shout out to them. Uh check out all the links in that description you can uh if you like the entrance music at the beginning of the podcast you can uh check out more of their music and support them in any way you can until and next if you want to um, yes yes if you yes. want to if you want to send brandon some money you know as they say you know send him money send him green heaven you will meet <laughs> make a contribution and you'll get the better seat bow to brandon oh i like that yes yeah. And like I hinted at, um, you might be seeing uh, our friend Richard in the near future for a very special Metallicast episode where uh, oh, yeah. we we might be reviewing a album that's supposedly out July 8th, even though we're a month out. Of, I've not heard a single thing about it other than it's coming out July 8th. Yeah, that's always suspicious. Yeah. Like usually there's so many albums that have like a song out six months before its release. You know, I'm not mm. saying I need it that far in advance, but for a month out, we don't have a single like we we haven't heard like 20 seconds of a song yet. Yeah, they mm. they maybe they're too sick, dying and dead to you know do any promo. Uh, great, I hope not. Great title for a new Metallica album. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the healthy, the living, and the alive, <laughs> and the how does it feel to be alive? Uh, on that note, middle up your ass. Yeah. I had that, I had to add that in just for you. Fans, not experts.